The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. All right. So take your Bibles with me this morning. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to continue our our study this morning in the Christian life. And um, we've already had, I think, about 27 lessons in this series, and we still have 25 to go. And that is if I finish every one each week. So uh, we're looking about a, at about another year to get through our entire study of, of the Christian life. And, of course, the Christian life is lifelong, so you really can study it for your whole life. You never stop. But let's look at 1 Peter chapter 1, and I'll read the first seven verses if you read along with me, please. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you, and peace be multiplied. There's a year's worth of preaching in that one verse right there. Uh, Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith, unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, We do thank you and praise you for the grace that you've bestowed unto us. We also thank you, Lord, for the mercy that you show us each day, the way that you care for us, the way that you provide and and see to all things that pertain to life for us. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and blessing and help us today to understand a little better, perhaps, why we face trials and why we face temptations. Teach us and instruct us from your word, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we're going to look at the sixth installment in the the study on the judgment of the saints. Remember, we said that we will all stand before Christ to be judged. And not to be judged according to whether or not we go to heaven, because that was already determined by Jesus' death on the cross We, as his elect children, were saved by Christ, and we know that heaven is our home, but we will stand before Christ in judgment, not to determine heaven or hell, but for the purpose of rewards. Our life will be examined, and we've been looking at several different aspects of that life. We've looked so far at, uh, we'll be judged by how how we control the old man, the old nature, how we treat the brethren, how we discharge our authority, We've, we've looked at 
we will be judged by how how we use our talents, how we spend our time. Now today, I'd like to look at how we handle trials. Number six on your study sheet. How we handle trials. Uh, Turn with me, if you would, please, to Matthew chapter 5. Let's all turn together to Matthew chapter 5. And we'll read just a few verses from Matthew chapter 5. And let's look at verse, beginning at verse number 11. Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 11. We read here, Blessed are ye... When men shall revile you, and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake, rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Have you ever ever wondered what life would be like if we never had to face problems? Do you ever think about that? I mean, that's an amazing, that's an amazing thing to think about. If, you never, if, if we never had to face problems, no disappointments, we, everything took place just the way we wanted it to, if we never had to face disappointments, no discouragements, if we, never, if we were never burdened so heavily and, 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 and could see no, no, no relief that, we, we fell into deep despair and discouragement. Imagine if that didn't exist. No sorrows. No one would ever, no one would ever die. No, no, no one would ever let us down. No one would ever hurt us. Uh, no worries. If we never had to worry about anything. If everything was, was taken care of and everything was provided and we never had to fret or worry about anything. Have you ever thought about that? You know there is a place like that? What's it called? Heaven, yes. There is a place where none of these things will exist. And that's in heaven, in the presence of the Lord. But guess what? We're not there yet, are we? And in this world, and in this life, it is fraught with sorrows, disappointments, discouragements, worries, trials, temptations, snares, all these things. Trials will come. They will come in many forms. And throughout our life, we're going to face disappointments and trials in many forms. Through death, uh, they'll come in the form of illness. They'll come in the form of financial ruin. They'll come in the way of wayward children, religious persecution, broken marriages, and many more. Yet, despite all of these things... To the Christian, this does not mean defeat. Now, we need to understand that. It does not mean that we are defeated. In fact, to those of us who are the children of God, trouble is a schoolmaster. It's there to teach us. It's there to instruct us. It's there to admonish us. So trouble is not something... To be feared. It's not, trials are not something to be shunned and something to be hated and despised. Now, they're not pleasant. Absolutely, they're not pleasant. And, and they're certainly no fun. But they're a reality. 
and we need to understand that. Trials instruct us in the power and grace of the Almighty Father. From these tribulations and from these trials, God shall be exalted and God shall be glorified if we learn to handle these trials correctly. In Psalm 46 and verse 10, the psalmist writes, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. It's interesting he said, be still. Because what we often want to do when, when trouble starts in our life, we want to, we want to react. We want to, we want to jump in and, and, and get busy. And you know, sometimes you just need to be still. Sometimes we just need to stand still, pray, and wait for God to, to, to take action. We learn through trials, we learn patience. We learn hope. We learn faith and godliness. We find strength. Not only to, we, we not only find strength to, to, for ourselves, but through our trials, we can often find strength to help others. To help those who, who may face the same things we faced. And we can go to them and be an encouragement and be a help. And we can share with them our, our, our faith and our, our hope through our trials. And that will strengthen and help them. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 3 we read, And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. We shall be strengthened and purified by the fires of these trials. So we need not fear trouble. We need not fear trials when they come into our life. Instead, we should accept them. And according to God's word, even rejoice in them. We read just a moment ago in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 12. Rejoice and be exceeding glad concerning the trials in our life. For great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Yes, we as believers are to endure trials, not succumb to or be overcome by them. We're to endure them. Now, this morning I'd like to make some observations concerning the trials we face in our life. And I'll be, try to be brief so we get through this entire list. Um, so let's go ahead and get started. First of all, letter A on your sheets. When trials come, do not be surprised. Expect them. When trials come, do not be surprised. Expect them. Now, you're in Matthew chapter 5. Let's go over to chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18, please. And we'll read just a few verses here. Matthew chapter 18, and we're going to begin at verse number 6. Beginning at verse 6, we read, But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe unto the world because of offenses, 
For it must needs be that offenses come, but woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. Now, my first observation in this is is that God is very serious about not offending his children. Very serious. I mean, he says it were better if a man offends uh, one of his children, he says it were better that a millstone were, were tied around his neck and that he was cast into the ocean to drown in the depths of the sea. Now, that, that's a pretty strong statement right there. So I think r- right off the bat, when we, when we look at this, we need to understand how we treat each other is very important to God. And so we need to, we need to take special heed to that warning. But there are two things to consider when we, talk, when, we, when we consider the offenses discussed here in Matthew chapter number 18. First, first is that they are certain. They are certain. In, in, in verse 7, he says, Woe unto the world because of offenses, for it must needs be that offenses come. Christ's words do not necessitate any man to offend. However, given the depraved state of, of the heart of man and the spirit of iniquity of this world, it is impossible but that there will be offenses. Offenses are come, or will come. They are certain. In your life, trials and offenses are certain. You can, you can count on them. Now, None of us wants to offend another, nor do we wish to be offended. Yet, Christ stated that we, in fact, will offend and will be offended. I I never intentionally want to offend anyone in this room, but you hang around me long enough, and sooner or later I will. It's... It's going to happen. Sooner or later, you're going to offend me. Now, pertaining to each other, we need to right right now decide, I'm not going to let you offend me because you're my brother and sister and I'm not going to allow that. So if you do something to offend me, I'm I'm not even going to worry about it. I'm going to to let it go and, and go on. And that's the way we need to be with each other. That's... That's extra, it's not in my notes, so I did give you a little bonus. So then, are we to assume, based upon this, are we to assume that God has willed, has placed in his will for another person to offend us? Well, let's answer that question. In James chapter 1 and verse 13, we read, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. So no, we're not to assume that God has, has, has placed in his will that we'll be offended. God does not put into the heart of a man to sin. It would be impossible for God to put into the heart of a man the desire to do that which he himself has condemned. It is not possible. So God does not will for a man to, to offend us. He does not appoint a man to come and offend us. It is not by the will of the Lord that men offend one another. Rather, it is by the will of the flesh that offenses come. In James chapter 1 and verse 14, we read, But every man is tempted 
when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. So, no, God doesn't place it in his will. He doesn't appoint a man to come and offend us. Uh, we, we manage to do that ourselves. But they are certain. It is certain that offenses will come. But let me say, do not allow them to cause you to become discouraged and quit. Be ready for them. So first, they are certain. But secondly, it's, it's important that we understand that they are woeful. That they are woeful. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 7 again. Woe unto the world because of offenses. For it must needs be that offenses come, but woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. Now, in this passage, we find a double woe annexed to the offense. First, a woe to the careless and unguarded to which the offense is given. He said, woe to the world because of offenses. Woe unto us when we are so careless as to stumble in this world. We must be attentive. We must walk circumspectly. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 15. We're to to walk. Listen, we're to be aware of the fact that we're going to face offenses. We're going to face trials. We're going to face temptations. And we are to walk carefully, observing everything about us and being circumspect in our lives. We are to walk not as fools, but as wise men. We walk as wise men when we walk according to the principles of God's word. We make Christ our pattern. We have the spirit for our guide. And we walk as becomes the gospel of Christ. These, these These should be the attributes of our daily walk. Striving to be like Christ. Now I know, I know it's a popular uh, thing to say, what would Jesus do? But in, in essence, that's exactly what we're talking about. Every instance in our life, we need to stop and think how Christ would handle that situation. And we should do the same. So we, we need to walk circumspectly. So first, the woe is given because of the carelessness. But second, a woe is given to the wicked who willfully give the offense. In verse 7, in verse seven uh, of Matthew chapter 18, But woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. Now, there will be no excuse for the offenders in this case. However, we must give careful thought to, the, to this offender. The question would come to mind, Can a child of God commit an offense against his brother? Well, to answer this, we must consider two factors. First, we must consider the degree of the offense. I don't think I put these on your sheet, but you might want to jot them down. First, we must consider the degree of the offense. Now, the offense spoken of by Christ here is one that ends in total defeat. It utterly destroys the heart of the one to whom it is, upon whom it is afflicted. It leaves that man empty and embittered toward God and his kingdom. It is an offense of the highest degree. In other words, this offense is given with the intent 
of destroying this individual's spiritual life. But second, we must consider the intent of the offense. This offense is with a malicious intent. It's, it's, it's as if this person set out to, to, to in, in, and intended to be hurtful and hateful and destructive toward this one person. Everything done by them is to bring discouragement and to cause them to stumble and fall, to drop their profession of Christ, if that were possible, to quit his service and desert his cause. It is the goal of the offender to inflict such hurt upon the offended so as to utterly destroy them. Now back to the question. Can a child of God commit an offense against his brother? Yes. He can. It is not only possible for a child of God to offend another Christian, but it is more than likely that he will. We will offend each other. But, I'll put a billy goat right there. But, the type of offense the Lord spoke of, in my, in my opinion, cannot come from a true child of God. Now you listen to me. Let, me. let me explain. If we are truly a child of God and we are indwelled with the Holy Spirit, we are, we are going to love one another. And yes, at times we might become embittered and embattled against each other and we might say hurtful things and we might hurt one another. But a true child of God is always going to make it right. A true child of God is always going to go to his offended brother and say, I'm sorry. And he's going to restore that fellowship. And he's not going to pursue that offense to the point that he drives his brother or sister out of the will of God. He can offend, yes. Oh, absolutely. I can offend you, you can offend me, we can offend each other. But not in the way that the Lord was discussing in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 7. It would then seem that while a believer may indeed without intent offend another believer, he could never do so with extreme hatred or malice. Such behavior would serve as proof of an absence of the Spirit of God. Remember, Jesus said the world would know we were his disciples. How, would, how did he say we'd know? By our what? Our love for one another. That's, that's, that's the acid test. That's the proof. He said, by this shall all men know ye are my disciples, if ye have love one for another. A true child of God cannot, it's impossible for him to hate his brother or sister in Christ. Because the spirit of God within us will not allow us to do so. Now again, we might not necessarily like someone. Okay? I've gone through this many times. There's a difference between love and like. It's possible to love someone and not like them. So we understand that what we're talking about here. The Spirit itself, Romans 8.16, beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. We know that upon salvation we are made a new creature. 
2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation, a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. We are given the spirit of truth, not of error, and we will love one another as children of God. 1 John chapter 4, we read, We are of God. Uh, we are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. Uh, he that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. So we, we understand that. So first, we must expect trials. But then, letter B, secondly, when trials come, exhibit faith. Exhibit faith. So first, we, we're not surprised, we expect them. But then secondly, when trials come, exhibit faith. I'd like for you to turn with me now to Romans chapter 8. Let's go quickly to Romans chapter 8. And we'll begin reading at verse number 35. If you'll follow along with me. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, since we know that trials will come, and since we know that we cannot avoid them, we must remember that God has promised to never leave us nor forsake us. Therefore, we can go forward in faith. We know from what we read in Romans just a moment ago that there is nothing on the face of this earth, there is nothing in heaven that can separate us from the love of Christ. No matter what we are facing, no matter what we must endure, we have the confidence to know that Christ will be with us at all times. Therefore, we can face whatever we have to face. We go forward in faith. We have the confidence to know that all God has called us to do, He has equipped us to do. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Now that doesn't mean I can do everything because I cannot rebuild an engine. I cannot fly an airplane. I cannot uh, perform open heart surgery. I can, but the results won't be very nice. But I can do anything that God has called me to do. I can do everything that God has purposed that I will do. I can be a good father. I can be a good husband. I can be a good church member. I can be a good child of God. I can do all these things. I can, I can endure trials. I can endure temptation. I can face even death through all these things. I can do it through Christ who gives me strength. And that's, that's what we need to remember. No matter what we're facing, no matter what's going on, 
You know, I go through some things that are pretty hard to handle sometimes, and, and I'll get, can, I, can I confess to you? I might go away somewhere all alone, and I might, I might cry, and I might weep, and I might sorrow over what I'm facing. And I may say, God, please give me strength. I just don't know how much more I can take. But you know what? I don't stay there and crawl up in a little ball and wait to die. I get up, and I brush myself off, and I say, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I can remember that Jesus said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, and I can face my trials with faith. Even in the face of trials, we can endure and we can continue in faith. We as believers must persevere in the face of trials. We know that they will come, and we know that all things in our life happen according to the purpose and will of God the Father. Therefore, we know that the trials we face are ordained of God for our admonition and our benefit, and we know that God will bring us through them by His grace and with His power. Don't give up. Don't, don't, just don't quit. My, my daddy never let me quit. He never let me quit anything. When I, when I was a, a preteen, I was, in, I was in baseball. I didn't like baseball. I played baseball to, for my dad because dad liked I liked football. But dad said, you can't play football unless you play baseball. So I played baseball. I didn't like baseball, but I played it. And I wasn't really good at baseball. I was good at football, but I wasn't really good at baseball. I was average, above average. But one day we were playing a game, and, and the coach got... He, was, he got the idea that the other team stole our signals. So instead of getting batting signals at third base, we were to look down at third base, and they were going to give us a set of phony signals. And then we'd look over at first base, and he would give us a set of real signals. Well, we'd never done that before. I'd never done that before. So I went up to bat, got the third base signals, got in the box, got ready to hit, and he screams from first base, Time out! And in front of everybody in the stadium, he just railed into me. I put my bat down, took my helmet off, and I was, I, that was it. I was leaving. And at the door of the dugout, my dad met me there. He said, where are you going? I said, I quit. He said, no, you don't. Get out there and bat. Made me go back. Made me finish that game. Made me finish that season. And after that, he told me, he said, if you don't want to play anymore, you don't have to. But you're not going to quit. Don't quit. Quitting's horrible. It's, it's not even a pretty word, is it? Quit. It's, it's, it's an ugly word. It sounds nasty. Quit. Just don't quit. Pastor was talking about he's been married 42 years. The, the Irvine's been married 60 years. My parents have been married 70 years. 70 years. You don't think they've gone through some stuff in 70 years? But you know what? They never quit. Just don't quit. Why do we have so many divorces in America? Because people quit. Why do we have so many abortions? Because people quit. Quitting never leads to success. Don't quit. Listen, when you think you're, fa- when you're in a trial and you think you're facing something that you possibly cannot get through, just don't quit. Just, just go to the Lord and, and cry unto Him and lean upon Him. He'll give you strength. Just don't quit. I've got to keep going. That, none of this was in my notes. I'm sorry. 
When trials come, expect them and exhibit faith. And lastly, letter C, in the face of trials, anticipate victory. Turn with me to Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3. Now, I love this story. This is one of my favorite Bible stories. Daniel chapter 3. And let's go to verse 16. Here we read, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. I love this story. I think most of you here probably know this story of when Nebuchadnezzar built the idol of himself and commanded that at the sound of the music all men everywhere would face the idol and worship it. And Chadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused. They, they weren't going to do it. So first, in this, in this little story, they knew that the trial was coming. They expected it. They knew that Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter 3 and verse 12, they knew that, that, that he had set up the idol and they had already decided that they weren't going to worship that idol because that was a violation of the principles of God. They weren't being accused of ignorance in Daniel chapter 3 and verse 12. They were being accused of defiance. These men told the king, they refused to worship your idol. But second, they faced the trial with faith. Now in verse 18, look what it says. But if not. So in, in verse, in verse uh, 17, they said... Uh, that God would, would, would spare them of this. But in verse 18, they say, But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. They had faith. They faced that trial with faith. They weren't going to give up. They weren't going to quit. They weren't just going to, when nobody's looking, kind of just pretend to, pretend to worship. No, they were going to stand up, and they were not going to worship that idol. Matter of fact, they probably turned their back to it. And, and, and blatantly just refused to disobey God. They faced that trial with faith. But then thirdly, I want you to see this, they anticipated victory. Verse 17, If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And, now look at this next date, And he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. You know what they're saying here? They're saying, listen, you can throw us in that furnace, and if God wants to, he'll, he'll, he'll take us through that furnace. But even if God decides that that furnace is going to consume us, he is going to free us from you. That's what they're saying. They're saying one way or another, king, guess what? You have no authority over us. And from this day forward, God will deliver us from your hand. Now, they anticipated victory. Listen, they... They didn't, they didn't know. They weren't sure that they wouldn't be cast into that furnace. But you know what they were sure of? That it wasn't going to destroy them. They knew that if by life, listen, they knew that whether by life or by death, God was going to deliver them from this trial. 
Do you know, I can't, I can't stand here today and say that God will take you through every trial unscathed, that God will take you through every trial in your life without facing death. I can't say that. that the trial you, I face, the trial you face, might result in our death. It, it might. But God be thanked, even if it does, I'll be in his presence. Amen? The victory is mine. There isn't a trial on this earth that can rob the victory from me. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And no trial, no temptation, no, 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 no problem we face can separate us from the love of the Father. And God is going to examine how we handle trials. How we conduct ourselves when we go through these times. Do we, do we trust and believe all that he's told us? Therefore, we, ex- we exhibit faith and courage and we anticipate great victory. Or, or do we succumb to the trials and fail the tests? Let's, let's be strong in trials. All right, folks, I went a couple of minutes over. Sorry about that. You can tell how sorry I am. Uh, thanks for being here today. You are dismissed. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.